All right, well, welcome back to another episode of Teacher Talks with Ron and Liz. Real, raw, and ridiculously awesome. Liz, how are you doing? Good. I'm doing good today. It's a beautiful day outside. We're going to have snow in a day or two. So, you know, we got to enjoy the sunshine while we can. We had a break from baseball this week, so, or this weekend. So it was kind of nice. We're just chillaxing today. How about you? Yeah, you know, same thing, you know, just preparing for, uh, Weather in Kansas, April snow next week. As a superintendent, you typically don't think about, you know, do I have to drive the roads in April? But maybe we will. Who knows? I don't know. We'll see what happens. But it's a great week. Brett, my son, and I celebrated our birthday. We have 30 years apart. And uh, it's just uh, Friday was that day. It's a special time of year when, when that comes around, obviously. And so, yeah, just going to spend some time with family later on this afternoon. And But I uh, want to uh, dive deep into, you know, the craziness that is our lives uh, now with a little teacher talks and, and, you know, things, things have been crazy, right? Things have been crazy for you. Things have been crazy busy for me. Uh, I've, I've got a bug, you know, I'm dealing with uh, new hires and, and uh, dealing with ESSER funds and how do you spend it and, and board meetings that, that last till 1130 at night and um, KISA and all the, you know, the accreditation pieces and all this stuff. And, um, you know, life's just crazy right now, it seems like, though, at the same time. It is. And following up with what we kind of talked about last time as, you know, ending strong and keeping it going, we have a crazy end of end of year, you know, and elementary teachers are doing any field trips or virtual field trips, figuring out the end of the year celebrations. What does that look like? Can parents come in? Can they not come in? You know, you're wanting to end the year strong. And then we throw in dun, 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 state assessments because my kids just had that last week. And I know that can be something that hangs over your head as a teacher all year long. So we're going to throw that in amongst all the celebrations and accreditation and meetings and baseball and oh yeah and this is a big deal so yeah, that's right you know <laughs> uh you know, the, the the craziness of spring compacted with uh, with covid and so liz you know my i don't know I, i'm kind of all over the board with my beliefs or, or philosophy on state assessments and um, the value in it, you know, I think of back when I was a teacher and, and I hated them uh, as a teacher. And I think as now as an administrator, or, you know, I sometimes I feel for, for teachers who, who have to give them, but at the same time, I understand that there's a value in looking at data too. Right. And so, you know, philosophically, where, where are you at, you know, personally with, with these, these assessments that we give to our students in random grades and some classes and not others. And, uh, I know that you've helped out uh, with where your kids go to school with some of those things and, and, and whatnot. So, you know, what, what do you think about these state assessments that we have to give? You know, I agree. I'm all over the map and becoming a mother of boys who are very different academically has put a different perspective on it as well. I have a son who can sit down, take the test and do fine, not worry about it. I have another kid who says, why do I have to prove what I know when you know, give me a project and I can prove with my hands and, and like a project-based learning style. And then I have another kid who's too shy or, you know, it's just, it's interesting with the mother perspective that kind of throws into it. Helping out this last week gave me a different perspective because as a former high school teacher, 
um, it was a little bit different, but I was able to help out in third and in fifth grade. And third grade is their first year to take some of these state assessments. And um, the anxiety that these little kiddos had um, was heartbreaking. And the test fatigue was heartbreaking. Their brains hurt. I mean, my kids in that class were like, Ms. Roberts, my brain hurts, you know, and we're trying to pump them up and give them, you know, lots of brain breaks and go outside and play and mints and mints and snacks and water and all the things. But at the end of the day, we don't teach this way where you're sitting down and taking quiet in your little cardboard office space. You can't ask questions. You just need to do the best you can. And you see tears coming down their faces of, I don't, I'm confused. Baby, try your best. You can do this. It's <laughs> going to be okay. And just their, their frustration. And at the end of the day, you think, is it worth it? Is it worth taking an entire week, stressing the kids out, stressing the teachers out for what? I don't know. Philosophically, I'm not totally on board with it. <laughs> you know, I understand the need for data and how to inform instruction. That is so incredibly huge. And the conversation then becomes, well, what do we replace it with? I right. really don't yeah. know because everything else seems to be so subjective. This is concrete, but. Right. And, and you, you've created some sort of measure that uh, balances things out allegedly, supposedly for, for all the different backgrounds and, and um, you know, obviously races and, and gender and, and all these, uh, you know, different data points, but uh, but at the same time, I, I don't know, you know, when I did my doctor degree, uh, that came up in, in my defense was, uh, cause I, I, we measured achievement using state assessment data mm -hmm. and, um, you know, one of, one of my professors asked me is, is that really a true measurement of achievement? And, you know, my response back is if not that, then what? Mm -hmm. Um, and so you know, I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago with a state legislator, and and unfortunately, they're the ones that often drive this is our, our federal and state lawmakers because they need to find some sort of accountability measure uh, for schools, and so they choose the standardized assessments uh, as those pieces to see if schools are are doing better or not and utilizing funds, you know, efficiently and effectively. And uh, but there's a there's new laws coming out that financial literacy in the state of Kansas, and then um, a civic step, and you had to pass them in order to graduate. And, and, uh, and my argument with that, that lawmaker was, is that we're doing so many things that are better for students for civic engagement, specifically, um, where our kids are coming to board of education meetings and city meetings, and our students are getting involved with, um, you know, community service projects and, and, and being, uh, involved in in, in decision making, uh, both locally and, and within the school district, and and having a voice. And to me, those things, like you said earlier, uh, may be better for our kids. We're teaching that way, right? Rather than than in this this form of going back to no child left behind, and and you know trying to to make sure that our students do well on this test, wasting our time with it. And luckily, he he eventually came around and. And voted against it and, and it's still unfortunately passed but my point is is that uh, you know we, we spend like you're saying one week two weeks out of the year doing something completely different 
than we've ever done before. So for what, you know, and, and, and how are we utilizing it? Um, if we are going to invest the time, then do we need to do a better job of making sure that uh, you mentioned it earlier too, changing our instructional practices to meet those students' needs uh, based upon that data. And, and I don't know that we do that well enough as educators. I can honestly say we don't probably do it well enough in our district, but I think a lot of that comes from the fact that um, there's there's a probably a strong belief by a lot of educators that, you know, hey, we've got to kind of go through these state assessment motions, right? And, and, um, and I don't know how you change that. I don't know, I don't know if, if, if it's something that uh, can be changed quickly. I think it's a culture piece, right? And, right. and um, you know, ultimately, you've got to get the buy-in from, from everybody. But I think back at kind of your home district where you used to teach, you know, where you're talking about an urban uh, center with a high minority population and uh, parent involvement is, is not as strong as in the suburbs. Uh, you know, those are all factors that I think help state assessment, students with state assessments too, right? right. Uh, not just what we're doing in the classroom. And so ultimately my other problem with them is, is do we, do we automatically set up some districts uh, behind the eight ball, right? Mm -hmm. to, to not be successful. Um, and if that's the case, how can we do this differently? And, and I don't know that anybody's really come up with a great answer to that, but those are some of my thoughts at least of, of this time and, and the craziness that teachers are going through and the stress um, that, that they, they, they go through to find out if their kids did or didn't do well let alone the parents and the students themselves. Right. right. And again, you go back to our instructional practices are also the data that we use is what is needed when they leave 12th grade. When they go on to post-secondary education, trade, school, or jobs right away, what skills is the community needing? And time and time again, it's collaboration. It's being able to communicate effectively. It's being able to work as a part of a team and contribute. and my frustration with the state assessments is that's not at all assessed, you know, and the skills are based on standards. The instruction is based on standards, but the way it is assessed is so just, I wish that it could be a collaborative effort because where in the world and what job are you never allowed to brainstorm and talk with people? You know what I mean? And so that is hard too, really hard. And I instill within my boys and I try to instill within my students at Wichita State and, and the students I get to work with a, a little bit at, at my kids' school is very much, it's okay not to know. It's not okay not to try. It's okay to um, ask for help and ask for questions. And then all of a sudden in one week, you can't do that. No more questions. You can't ask me. I can't read that. I cannot read that word to you. Um, and right. so my kiddos, that raises their anxiety. So, and, and we do, I mean, this will be in maybe a topic for another time, but COVID has created a lot of anxiety in these kiddos. And I think we might see some of that come to fruition in the, in the, the data that we see here, because we've seen, um, an incredible increase in the amount of kiddos, young kiddos saying, I am anxious. 
I have anxiety. I never knew what anxiety was until I was like in high school. And I was like, what are you talking about? Why are you in third grade? And you're, you have anxiety and you're telling me this. And so that's right. out in, in state assessments too. And so until this changes, right, this isn't going to change for next year. So how can we help prepare our future teachers? How can we help prepare parents um, and our, our veteran teachers to help calm our students, to help calm ourselves? Because um, unfortunately, I don't, I, I mean, education moves slowly, right? So if there is going to be change, it's not going to be in the next year or two. So what do we do? What do you tell your teachers to help them create that environment where it helps lower anxiety? Yeah. So we, what we did when I was a principal was uh, we had, we had a, a time set aside the first semester where we worked on our genius hour projects for our students. And it was their ability to just kind of explore a topic of their own. And so as we transitioned to second semester um, and we were done with those projects, that third quarter, which typically led us right up to state assessments, um, you know, we did a kind of a, it may sound bad, but we kind of did a state assessment prep where they had 30 minutes to work with our students, whether it was uh, content, whether it may be uh, testing practices, right? Uh, just kind of getting used to that environment uh, for students um, to help reduce the anxiety, uh, to have conversations with them about, okay, this uh, this is how you're going to handle when, when you don't know what a word is, or this is how you're going to handle um, maybe different uh, strategies to, to just making the best educated guess if you don't know it, right? And, um, and so we utilize that time to help prepare our kids. And, and uh, now I don't know if it was good or bad. I do know that, you know, of the, we had a weird building where we were fourth or eight of the 13 state assessments I believe we gave, we were higher than the state average in 11. And the 12th one was off by one. You know, and so uh, I think I think we we did a good job with it, at least just preparing kids, right, and reducing the anxiety and reducing the stress for teachers too, and just having a set of time, a block of time for them to be prepared. The downside is, yeah, we're wasting that on preparing for a state assessment, right? And if you added up thirty minutes a day, uh, five days a week, um, so however many weeks, there there's a lot of instructional time that. I don't, agree. I don't agree that it's wasteful in, in the small increments because that also helps them. You know, ACT is also a big thing. You have to get into college, right? A lot of college classes um, are still lecture and test, you know, especially right. the bigger classes. You in a lecture hall of 300 kiddos, you can, students, sorry, um, you can't do a whole lot of collaboration. Um, so it does help them and it helps them think and be aware of their thinking, which when we're intentional with that can help them if they carry that on throughout the, you know, honors classes, AP prep work and things. Um, yeah. But I love that. I love spending a little bit of time every day or have bell work. That is, you know, our test prep questions or whatever, making it fun. So then by the time they hear the words and and see the way the questions are set up, that's not, that's not a huge surprise. So I like that idea. You know, and our, our uh, the new social state assessment that's coming out in the state of Kansas is, is a little bit more like a, like a mini PBL almost, come, you know, and, and so that's positive. 
but for us, we've invested uh, in a halftime position as kind of a PBL coach, uh, not necessarily for that state assessment piece, just because we believe project-based learning is, is really a very positive way uh, for, for teachers to instruct and students to learn. Yes. But then it ties in hand in hand with that that new assessment as well too, and and so you know if you've got if you're struggling in writing as a district, same thing you you make sure that every class really targets that need right that weakness, and so I think we just have to as as districts and as building school building leaders, and if you're on the leadership team as as teachers and you know that hey we're really not cutting it in this this area, you just have to kind of think uh, outside the box a little bit about. Um, you know, how can we at least take a little bit at a time to really target our weaknesses and, and hopefully make them strengths in the long run? And, and then, you know, then your, your students will hopefully show it in, in the assessment. And if they don't, and you're that teacher that, you know, you've given it, you've done everything you can, you've done these 30 minutes or 15 minutes or bell work activities, you've done cross-curricular stuff with your social studies science teachers to help them with your writing prompts and and your kids come back and the writing scores are still in the tank, listen, don't let it ruin your teaching career, right? It is one assessment. Um, there's a lot of other ways to measure the, the whole child and if they're being successful, their social emotional needs, uh, their academic needs, uh, their personal needs, right? If, if a lot of those other ones are met and they're struggling with writing, then just you know make sure you set up a plan for, for those students for the next year to continue to grow it's not the end all be all though and I think that's the biggest thing we have to remind our teachers that's good so I have another question for you kind of a, a pop yeah. question um what do you think about incentivizing like how all right the kiddos who get the best grades or you do your best you know you get you get a, a reward or um what are your thoughts on that um, with regard to state assessments in general, with, yes, you know, just with state assessments, <laughs> I, I like this. I, I think that, uh, if you could set a personal goal for every kid, right. And not say, Hey, you've got to, you, you know, as a class, we've got a, we've, as a grade level, if we pass the, the, the state average, then everyone gets a, you know, a reward or whatever the case may be. I, I think if you could get to each individual student and somehow set that up, um, a realistic goal though too, right. you know you know that they're not gonna jump 10 points, but even if you can get them to get one point higher than, than what their their uh, their assessments have been showing, then, um, you know, I think that there's, there's some value in that. I think kids need something to achieve, but, uh, but at the same time, I, I do, you know, I'm not a big fan of of, uh, of putting kids in a position where I know that they're going to fail, right? And so um, more stress, because, more anxiety on top of right. the stress, right? Yeah. So I know that kind of that's a very political answer, and I didn't really answer. That. <laughs> you know, uh, people have those questions, and there's been you know tossed around about the teachers who have the best scores and how nobody would want to go teach in particular schools if that's the case and so do we do the same with kiddos but I love the idea of the the PR the personal record right the best we want you to continuously get better it's a growth mindset that we instill within our students so I like that yeah interesting yeah I, I will tell you this though I think you 
you were talking about earlier uh, the skills, right? That that kids uh, that we would rather teach kids and then focus on the, the the test, teaching to the test. You know, I think the greatest skill we can teach our students is the ability to learn on their own, right? And and it ties into that personal growth, um, that growth mindset that you're referring to too. That uh, if if students, you know. If they can become problem solvers and that they can understand that, hey, if I don't know something, I know that how I can figure it out and how I can achieve it in the long run, then I think they're going to naturally do well, uh, at least improve a little bit on things like state assessments. And they'll improve in, in uh, their fast bridge testing or their aims load testing, or they'll improve um, in their grades overall, or, or maybe be an at-risk student to, to one that graduates and ends up doing something you know, that no one thought they could seven years prior. Um, and, and I think if, if we could do that for our kids, we're, we're going to, whether they're taking the ASVAB, whether they're taking the, the work keys, you know, and they're going to go into their professional life right out of high school or, or the ACTs and they are going into college bound. Um, you know, then I think we're, we're setting them up for, for success later in life. Well, I think that's good. And I think it, it should always be a conversation on the table. I think as teachers, we want our kiddos to feel success. And so continuing to think through how we can help our kids and create that environment. So we would love to hear, I would love to hear what you guys do, some tips and tricks. So we would love for you to leave it on our Facebook page or tweet us some different ideas that you have or thoughts. I think, I don't know, it might be kind of cool to see what everyone else is doing in their thought process and maybe we can, you know, change the world. Absolutely, especially everyone's probably living it right now. You guys are just getting done. Yeah. We're just finished. We're in the middle of it, right in the middle of it, hopefully finishing up here in the week or so. And and uh, and then, you know, it's May and graduation's going to be here and summer and the kids are ready for it. So, but... Well, hey, Liz, another great week, another great conversation, kind of getting a little real and raw, and, but uh, awesome about uh, the state assessments and our beliefs that uh, maybe they're not the greatest things in the world, but we're not getting rid of them. So how do we kind of manage through that and make it the best possibility or opportunity that we, we can have? So, hey, once again, I love having these chats with you, these talks with you. Thank you so very much for spending some time with me and, and uh, letting me spend some time with you. And, yes. and like she said, hit us up on social media. Follow us um, on any type of podcast system. We're out there in, in the uh, Apple world. We're in the Spotify and the Anchor world. And who knows, there's probably other podcast hosting sites that we're on, but we don't even know about. So <laughs> make sure you continue listening to us and uh, reach back out to us, share your opinions, share your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. And, and Liz, once again, have an awesome week. You too, Ron. We'll see you later. All right. Bye.